What's up, everybody? Are you tuning in to the Challenge USA on CBS? Well, tune in to me, Tyson Apostle, as I break down each and every episode with my co-host, Amelia Wedemeyer. I'm also a contestant on the show, which gives you all the insider scoop. Amelia, how stoked are you to do this? Tyson, I'm freaking excited. I cannot wait to sit my butt down every single week to watch the show, then come here and recap it with you on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello, welcome back to the Prestige TV podcast feed. I'm Joanna Robinson and joining me now straight from the sublime here to play one last game with me. It's Danny Heifus and David Shoemaker. Hi guys. How are you doing? Good. Great. I hope everybody Great. out there is a bunch of uh, happy fucking campers. <laughs> Danny, how you doing? I'm just chilling here in my graveyard of stories. As always, as per usual with Danny Heifetz. Uh, we are here to talk about the season four finale of Westworld, K. Sarah Sarah. Written by Allison Shapker and Jonathan Nolan. Ever heard of him? And directed by Richard Lewis. Not that Richard Lewis, but the director, Richard Lewis. Um, before we get into this episode, just a quick programming reminders, etc. The Better Call Saul series finale airs tonight, Monday. We're dropping that episode early. So Ben Lindbergh and I will be breaking down that episode tomorrow, Tuesday. That'll be up in your feed. Um, I also know there was a breakdown of the HBO series industry in this feed last week. So you might want to check that out. And then what happens once Westworld and Better Call Saul over? I don't know. Stay tuned to find out. It's a mystery. Uh, so that is what is going on in the Prestige TV podcast feed. You can follow us on social, all that You're good stuff. You're not covering Monarch? Uh, not weekly. No, in my heart, always, always. Um, you can still email us at edharrisbodysuit at gmail.com, but, uh, you know, the show, if you just want to, like, talk at us, you can, but the podcast will no longer be running, uh, your emails. But listen, if you got, if you got some takes you need to get off, 
please do send us those emails. I, I love reading them. Uh, and spoiler warning, nothing left to spoil. What have we seen beyond this? Nothing. It doesn't exist yet as far as I know. So that is where we are with Westworld. Before we get into our takes and sort of some big picture questions we want to ask about this show and this episode, David Schumacher, what literally what happened on Westworld? This week? All right, let's just do it. <clears throat> After a message from Bernard, Hale has a change of heart and tries to race to the Sublime to upload Christina, while the Man in Black tries to destroy everything, including the Sublime. Hale wins, but she and the Man in Black both die. Maeve and Bernard stay dead. Frankie, Stubbs, and Caleb try to flee the city. Clementine tries to stop them so she can figure out their hiding spot. Stubbs and Clementine die. Presumably Caleb will too. The lesbians somehow survive. Christina processes the fact that she's actually a program, not a person. Maya and Peter and her creepy boss, Teddy, were all people she created to feel less lonely. They evaporate, only she remains in the sublime, back in Sweetwater, and ready to run one final game. In short, everyone but Frankie and Christina are dead. But what is death anyway? Let's discuss. All right. Um, big picture. Okay, so like I said, we're going to do 10 big questions. That's what we decided to do instead of sort of breaking this down beat by beat of this episode because we've got some forward-looking stuff. There's some like big ideas here that I think are maybe more interesting than some of the literal turns of a fairly simple plot, I would say, in terms of good guy, bad guy racing racing towards a goal. Uh, Danny, though, I'm just curious. Do you want to get off like sort of an overall take of either the season or the episode before we start? Yeah, you know that scene when William's pointing a gun at Hale and he's like, you lost. And she's like, well, I, we all lost. And that's how I feel. I feel like we all lost. Okay, David? Huh. Um, yeah. The, the mechanics of this episode were very frustrating. Um, from just the the structure of of the plot that we've been building to for six great episodes and one kind of confusing one. Um, and also just kind of uh, more broadly, a lot of the decisions that were made. Um, it, 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 I don't even know what to say. However, I do kind of like the bigger idea that we sort of sidestepped into at the end. And I mean, you know, the old, Sweetwater theme music playing for <laughs> two seconds was enough to sort of shake me into excitement. Um, I think the weirdly the thing the thing that I'm left with is wondering whether or not there's going to be a fifth season, and then simultaneously wondering whether it's going to matter or whether. Well, I guess we can get into that discussion later on. All right, we'll get into that. Um, I will say, for my part, I think I was so frustrated last week as people listening to the podcast heard that I went into this episode with just like basement down in the basement expectations. And so I actually ended up kind of liking it only because I think I just decided to expect very little from it. And so then I was like, well, at least this is simple and easy to understand what's going on. And there are some interesting questions to ask out of it. Um, but again, I think that's because I set my expectations where I did. We got a lot of salty emails from people this morning who really salty disliked. about the show, salty about the finale. They really disliked the finale. Yeah, a lot, a lot of emails. We got a few people who liked it, but mostly people who disliked it. And I also we got some emails from people who were frustrated at how negative we were last week. But listen, man, we're just always going to be honest about how we feel about the show. That's that's what we're going to do. So, um, 
We're getting into these questions. Usually I do a little like lit major corner, but once again, instead of putting some sort of like abstract quote or whatever below the title on the HBO Max uh, website, they just used a line from the show, which is like what I've done with the place. I just cranked it to expert level, which is something William says. This is some gamer shit from William uh, that he says to Hale. We did a great get, get a great email about how the ending of this reminded a listener about, of the Dark Tower, which involves a main character reaching essentially the center of a maze and discovering that he's on a repeating loop. And each time, and this last time, bringing something with him that could maybe change things. So let's start with this first question. This is a question that I saw a lot of people ask uh, in our email and on Twitter. And um, I'm going to put this to Danny. Danny Heifetz, has everything we've seen up until now been a simulation? I don't think so. I think it was just Dolores, right? Just Dolores was in the simulation. Well, I think the bigger question is if if this if this season, I mean, if if we're if, if season five or whatever happens after this episode ends, is just going to be the the simulation version of season one? Then what? Why has? Then what's to prevent? Why not just assume that everything that we've seen is simulation ninety and next se- and season five is simulation ninety one? Well, there's yeah. Well, I I've been saying from a long time that I think that the end of the show will be all oh, that was a simulation. But in terms of like where we just ended. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. She's talking about from from epi- season one, episode one to now. Has this all been just another iteration of of Dolores running a simulation? Maybe. I don't know. I, I Maybe. I guess that's on the table. Um, I, I, I think it was pretty incredible the amount of logical leaps they needed you to take at the end of the show. Like you go into the end of a season like this, you think that something like that, that big would be kind of wrapped up. But I think a pretty incredible amount of this was done via like Dolores narrating stuff at the end of the show. I think that to, well, this is going to get into future questions, but I think that to me, the entire show in a nutshell was Dolores in voiceover saying human civilization has ended or sentient. Sentient, sentient life, sentient, sentient life on Earth has ended, and you're sitting there thinking, "Oh, Dolores, because she's in, you know, she's all algorithm, doesn't know that the outliers exist and isn't counting on mm-hmm. the resistance and all that kind of stuff." So, civil, so human life can go hold on. on. Hold no, on. No, 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 no. This is so. That's the first. Time. I'm like, oh, this is the loophole to make this an interesting plot point. But then I'm like, no. If that were the case, that wouldn't just be like literally a voiceover that's not just like a go- like she's just this ghost in the machine stuff and i don't know listening to dolores say that sentient life is over whether or not i'm supposed to take that to be literal or take that or not i don't i don't i don't know i i don't i don't know if there's another season if humans are going to be alive on earth and i and to me that's the sort of unreliability that that makes the show really hard to digest sometimes why wouldn't we take it literally? It's the end of a show that might of a season four when they might get canceled and might not do it, renew it for a season five. It's like the final narration of the main character. We have to take what she said. So they just ended sentient life on Earth via voiceover. Right, because she didn't have to say it, right? Because, yeah. yeah. So uh, let me, okay, th- that does get to our another question. So we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But like, let me just go, zoom back to this. Has everything up until now been a simulation? I vote no. Uh, Do you think this is the first the first run through the loop or whatever? First time around the loop. 
Christina in the sublime running one final test. I'm just going to, if you're going to take her at her word that sentient life on earth has ended, I'm going to take her at her word that this is, we're starting a new final game in the sublime. And this is the first time she's done it. And they could easily at the end of next season, if we get another season, uh, say, actually, well, actually, this is all a simulation. They could. But for right now, I'm choosing to believe that it matters that we watched life on earth end. And it matters, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that that was sort of like the greatest trick that the show pulled was sort of for all the times, for all the time that we spent saying, does death matter? Do robot lives matter? Do whatever. If if everything's a simulation, then the answer is sort of implicitly no and yes at the same time, right? I mean, it's not, it's, it, it, none of it mattered to any degree more than anything else. And yet it does matter because it's towards the end of like a successful simulation. I don't know. I think, see, I think that it's totally feasible that this was all a simulation and we're, and, and Dolores and the entire reality of Westworld is just one giant loop in which, you know, a new version of the first four seasons is played out over and over again. A new sublime is opened up and a deeper pocket into the sublime is created. I think that that's, that feels to me like the sort of, the sort of end result that, that, Nolan and Joy would have imagined. Danny, you kind of said what when David mentioned that Christina wouldn't maybe be able to track the outliers. And the only reason I think that I might agree with David on that is because so much is made of like Clementine's story in this episode is about her finding where the outliers are because that's off the grid and no one can find them. So Frankie and her girlfriend survive. And according to Rehoboam, the big AI predictor AI last season, total population collapse in 23 years. So this is the total population collapse, except perhaps for some Mad Max outliers in the desert. Danny, where are you on that? Ever Since you said what to David, where are you now? Do you believe that the outliers could be still out there in the dust and the dirt? No, I don't care about the outliers. They said that a human, the human, the, all life on Earth is extinct. I don't care because the show ran away screaming from season three. They could have said that Dolores had been part of Rehoboam. Dolores is literally, last we saw at the end of season three, plugged into Rehoboam. Now at the end of season four, it turns out she's running simulations. If they wanted to connect her in any way to season three with Rehoboam, they could have. If they wanted to connect to the outliers, they could have. I actually think it's the exact opposite. They're ending the show. And they they think that if they're not renewed for season five, some of this needs to be lightly resolved and like nodded at in the direction of. I think that the outlier thing at the end, honestly, was horseshit. It was literally we are going to just we have to button up this story in case we're not renewed for season five. Something with Clem. Uh, uh, Clementine just wants to go kill them and then dies before. Like, I, I just don't at all. I don't think it was relevant. And no, when the sh show gets to narrate through the main character, and they know that maybe this is the writer's last chance to communicate how the show ended, I feel like I have to take them at their word. If we're at the point where we're parsing whether the narration at the end of season four was, like, reliable or not, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what to say. It's not It's not about reliable. It's just about, like, what that character knows, like, and, and like, what, what data set does he have? I think I, I, I will disagree largely with this idea that they, I mean... But they did said this, with, did, with Frankie, the daughter in the boat and the word said, but some of them will survive a few months, maybe even years, but they will all die with Frankie. They said that while Frankie was on screen. And then they said later that they're all dead. 
here's 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 what I will say, and you might be right, but here's what I'll say. I disagree that they are writing without ex- with zero expectations of a fifth and final season. Only because the information that we have about a fifth and final season is Ed Harris ha- like saying a filming start date. Now, I don't mean zero. HBO- I mean that they're they're backstopping in case they don't get it. Sure, things at HBO are way shakier than they are were when Ed Harris said that. So, but I don't know that they wrote this script wholly in fear of not getting a fifth and final season. I think they've been they've been told they were getting five seasons sort of from the start. That changes all the time. We've all seen the ratings. We know it's not necessarily guaranteed that they're going to get a fifth and final season. But I think they're like, I don't think they're only writing towards. Um, but but I would agree with like a hedging of the bets. Like if yeah, I think if they, I they think don't the, come I back. I think the bet hedging is right. But I do think, but I, yeah. but also to the point. I mean, to the to the bigger question. I think that I think the the outlier thing is a little bit of a hedge. If there's not a season five, then it sort of is neat. It's it's neater. It's more of a neat ending if humans are all extinct, right? But if if there is, then maybe that's an interesting plot line for season five. I mean, who who knows? I think that in terms of whether or not this is a simulation, going back to the last question, it yeah. sure makes it easier. It makes it an easier pill to swallow that everybody's suddenly dead kind of off camera if it is a simulation, right? That seems a little bit more digestible. But um, I don't know. I, I, the, uh, that whole, the Clementine, you're right about the Clementine thing. I could also see the motivation being we need to tie up the Clementine storyline. Although, I mean, this is such a small thing in the grand scheme of things, but like, she was so blissed out at the beginning of the season. Did it really not occur to her just to be like, hey, you already have a host friend. Can I be your other host friend? And we can go wherever you're going to go at the end of the season instead of just trying to murder everybody to get her way. I mean, it just it was very strange. Anyway, it was very odd to me that that felt part of like the deck clearing of this episode because this episode meant so that... clear. Why did you? Yeah. Why, why? Why are they clearing out the deck for Charloris? I mean, yes, that's fine. But like. That was a, there were there were a lot of lot of clearing out for well by deck clearing you if, mean how every I mean we kind of skimmed over here. every dead. character died everyone's except dead yeah well we I mean we we said that we said that in Shoemaker's recap right like we said that like everyone's dead except for Christina and Frankie and if we if we agree with Danny which maybe we should then Frankie and her girlfriend are not gonna last that much longer and so it's just Dolores slash Christina in the sublime with the data that's stored there. And that's it. Every character, William, Hale, Maeve, Bernard, down to Stubbs and Clementine are, are dead and not just like, are they coming back? No, their pearls are dust. Like they're gone. Right. And so that's what this episode, a a complete clear of the deck for the final season. But even that I just think was so cheap. All these characters died. I didn't really feel anything. I didn't really think it advanced the plot. And honestly, it felt to me like they don't know if they could get any of these actors to re-sign a contract for season five. So they're going to like write them off and they'll see if they can bring them back, because that makes more sense to me than the idea that, well, the entirety of season four boiled down to Williams. Like, I want to burn it down. And Hale's like, no, I don't burn it down. And like that was the entire plot. So I don't know. I the killing well, off every plot the way Stubbs died. It just all felt so meaningless. OK, so that that brings us to another question. Does death matter in Westworld? And if not, how are, we, how are we meant to understand it as a narrative device? What does it mean if someone dies, if it doesn't mean what it usually means in a story? David, do you have any ideas on this? Right. OK, so arguing from the point of view that this has all been a simulation, which I think just makes it the conversation, the, okay. the, the, the language of the, the, you know, of the conversation a little bit easier. 
Um, no, it doesn't. Well, it matters in the sense that it's part of a. It's it's part of it's it's not just a simulation without purpose. It's a simulation seeking a specific ending, right? So death matters in so much as it is a piece of the whatever of the of the puzzle that leads to ending X. And you know, we're hoping that it's the ending that the, the one ending out of a trillion that everybody's looking for. But does it matter? I mean, does it? I don't think that. In terms, I mean, continents of pe- <laughs> con- continents of people were killed off in this episode without yeah. ever appearing on screen. So does death yeah. matter? Not a lot. I mean, but does the and does the death of the people, the the characters, or the the iterations of the characters that we hold beloved, does it matter? Well, it's hard to say. It's it's hard to argue that Westworld, the Enterprise thinks that their deaths matter because they were not treated with much respect in past. Yeah, if Christina slash Dolores can just remember them alive again in the sublime, um, you know, then. So we had an email from listener Dennis who wrote, everyone is dead, but also nobody is dead because everyone is in digital heaven. I guess we're circling back to if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? But even if I can't tell the difference other than looking at the black cinemascope bars, when I know there is a different it, difference, it bothers me, I think. Danny, you seem pretty bothered. Is that what you would Yeah, I think that's say? a great one. The show's been asking forever, like, oh, if you can't tell the difference, what if you can? And you know what? They never explored that in any meaningful way. If you, again, Shows need stakes, right? And from the beginning, it was people's criticism of Westworld in season one was, well, if nobody can really die, how is this going to be a good show? And there are interesting ways you could explore what life means in a world where, well, what if no one can really die? They just didn't do any of that. And so you you could, I mean, there's so many ways. If a character is getting resurrected every time, it would have been interesting if, you know, every time Maeve woke up, she felt like she, something had been lost. But when every time Maeve wakes up, she's exactly the same. And she's never looking back nostalgically to like earlier versions of herself if his set was better. Like she's never, there's never a cost to dying. There's never a cost to coming back. And so when it's just your little plot device, it never matters. Well, and you're right. And from a plot point of view, there's never any cost. There's never any value in it, right? Because like, yeah, because if, I mean, Maeve and, and Hale were shot dead at the end of the last episode. Hale was brought back to life at the beginning of epi- episode, at the beginning of this episode, with, the beginning of the finale, n- with no explanation, by the with way, with no explanation That's... at all, and the, the story progressed in such a way that that if Maeve had been brought back along with her, the story wouldn't have been any different, right? No, and that's the thing—they just wrote off Maeve because they didn't know what they clearly didn't know what to do with Maeve. That is obvious, and also it's insane. Every part of this is insane. The fact that William would shoot Hale in the head and then not crush her pearl. And then also, they never even established the problem. They never established what death was or how a character could go in the beginning in season one. And it caught up to them and they never figured it out in the entire show. It's plagued them all the way to the end of the season. Now they're crushing pearls. Does that mean anything? Not really. Because if they want to write around Christina it, Christina can still imagine can. the new pearls. Yeah. Yeah. If they want to write around it, they can. So they wrote, they had an interesting idea, and I think that the show had very interesting concepts, but they never fleshed out these specifics. And we're not talking about details here. The nature of death is something you should get right in your world. So let's talk about this idea. This this brings me to another question I have, which you guys have been circling, which is what's the fundamental difference between hosts and humans 
and between a host that was created as an original Pearl host and one that's remembered. Because that is a key thing because, actually, I don't know how to get to this question without asking the previous question, but I think that idea of do these copies differ in any way? Like when we see, I tried to talk about this last week, it's a tough thing to talk about, but when we see a character play by Tessa Thompson, and we know that it is Dolores's pearl inside of Charlotte Hale's body that has been warped into a Charlotte Hale persona just by occupying her body. And that's something that can happen to a host consciousness. Or the same thing happened to William. He was Dolores Code in a William body. And as host William, he just became the man in black because he was in that body too long, dealing with the memories of that body too long. Is there a difference between a remembered version of a character and a real version of a character? And if not, does that like, is that a fundamental weakness of the show or does it just not? Should I just let this go and not care about that anymore ever? What do you think, David? Um, well, I mean, listen, it, it certainly helps, you know, Band-aid over any problem that you have with the with the show, right? It's like, yeah, the dialogue was kind of sketchy through the whole season. It's like, well, you know what? It's because that was a, it wasn't the real characters. This was all a simulation, you know. Like what? Like it's it's all it's all a little bit degraded from the way that the brilliance of season one because everything's sort of another iteration. Um, Shoemaker has like glommed onto the it's all a simulation, and you're just like, I'm not letting go of this. This is it for me. Uh yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> I think that the big thing is that it doesn't matter if it's simulation. It's a simulation. And so that's why it's sort of a little bit disheartening. But yeah, it, it is. It's a t- it's it's a difficult conversation to have. It's I think it goes hand in. I think it goes hand in hand with the death question, right? Maeve is dead. But Christina remembers her next season because they managed to pay Tendui enough to show up for season five. Is that is that made any different or is it you know so does the fact that she died and sacrificed herself for whatever bernard's plan was matter or does it not and like honestly at this point i've let go of the does death matter and then i'm not saying because i don't think the show cares and so i'm kind of done trying to care does that make sense and i don't mean that in a shitty way i mean that in like if i'm gonna squeeze any kind of enjoyment out of the show I think I have to let go of those narrative conventions, the basic building blocks of story, which is that mortality matters when it comes to telling stories about characters that we care about. Right. Um, But I can understand why it feels impossible to let that go, you know? Because no, that's a, the building block. This building block of life. Spoiler alert: the meaning of life is that it ends. You die, and so make the right, most of your right. time. And so when you remove the fundamental essence of why we're here, guess what? You're right. All season we were talking about. It's very interesting. The humans can die. So what? What does it mean when robots can't? And like they never explored that in any yeah. meaningful way. They posed this question, never came back to it. And here's the problem. And I come back to it over and over again. The fundamental mistake this show made from the beginning was they wanted to ask that question a hundred times a season. If you can't tell the difference between humans and robots, what's the difference? The problem and the mistake they made was instead of making the robots flawed and interesting like people, they just made the humans robotic and not lifelike like they were robots. And so that has plagued them forever. And now we're sitting here and we're like, oh, what's the difference between 
Hale, who's a pearl in a former human. And like, mate, who cares? These weren't interesting characters. And like, they never explored. Hale had children. Her, her Hale's child and husband died in a car crash last year. She referenced that like passingly one time. We can't answer this question. Well, what's the difference between Hale? Because we don't know what she's going through. They never even explored this loss. And they, I, they're I, just I, running from these questions. I, I would, I agree. Like you brought this up at the beginning of the season and I agree with you mostly. I would disagree as it pertains to Caleb this season, even though a lot of what we saw of Caleb this season was his human consciousness in a synthetic body. But like, that was a very human, emotional character. Yeah, and the most emotionality we got in this finale was from Caleb. Look at me. I'm sharing a drink with my daughter, like hugging his daughter goodbye, all that sort of stuff. Like that, that was, was the, the best most... part of the episode. Yeah, exactly. So they 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 got it a little bit right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like I, I largely agree with you. Um, I mean, put it this front. way. Hale, if they wanted to explore the question of like, oh, well, what's a robot what's a per- former person's consciousness well not even that we're really saying what was dolores it, it goes back to what shoemaker said last week that was such a good point that they're so convoluted with who the characters are we have to refer to them by their actors names because hale is dolores in charlotte's body but william's a recreation of william and so william's not like hale william is a f- recreation of human william in a, in a host version of william's body i can't believe i have to say this out loud and then dolores got brain copied got put into the DNA recreation of Hale's body, but she's not Hale, but I guess it became like, and it's it's so convoluted. They never had clear answers because they never got clear questions. But the thing I just keep coming back to is uh, even the basic stuff, like Caleb wants to get back to his daughter. Hale, her kid died. Never talked about it. Never came up. You know what I mean? It's like such obvious things. It's like they didn't even want to explore the questions that they set up themselves. And and I, and just to take it, because I'm, of course I'm going to insist on the simulation thing. If it is a simulation, <laughs> if this has all been a simulation, and, and, reg- uh-huh. and, even, and even if it hasn't been, next season, I, when, it, yeah. when, when Dolores runs her simulation, we will, she will be having these same conversations, right? It's like like about about whether or not death matters and whether or not what is a human life compared to a robot life and sentience and everything else, except it will all be fake, right? I mean, it will all be a simulation. So humans and robots or humans, whatever, just sort of humans and hosts just sort of, especially with the, when you have the hybrids and it's like they're just like tag teaming in and out of these philosophical questions without it's like the sneeches or something it's just like all of a sudden just like the the, the hosts all have stars on bars and we're supposed uh. to just change <laughs> anyway let's move on to the next question i'm gonna start calling them star belly sneeches apple card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card you earn up to three percent daily cash on every purchase every day that's three percent on your favorite products at apple 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So let's ask this question. What is Christina's final game as far as you understand it, that she's going to be running in Sweetwater next season? David? I mean, I think that the most on its most basic level, it's Christina, a.k.a. Dolores is Dolores Prime. Um, I don't think she is Dolores Prime. I think Dolores Prime is dead. You and don't think that this what? was you don't you don't think that the Holy Pearl that they pulled out of the floor was the mean? same one and the Dolores that 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 dis, that beat Rehoboam? I mean, I don't I'm, know that it, like, I don't know what we're I don't know that we know that, but that was just why would assumption. it not be Dolores Prime? That's that's the original Dolores. <sighs> like it was factory it reset. And now she's trying to learn again. That's what the whole I mean, that, that's what the simulation argument really springs from, is that like because she was it was a factory reset she has the ability to start over from scratch, knowing that she has all this power or whatever, but regardless. But honestly, this is still kind of a stupid conversation because trying to, like, this season <laughs> five, not like us, but I'm saying, like, season five, it's just, let me get this straight. They just, like, this is my factual understanding of what we're talking about. As I understand yeah. it, human life is ex- like and host life basically all whatever they sentient life on earth is extinct via narration in the final 90 seconds of the episode and now okay, in the next season yeah. is Dolores has to for whatever reason go back to Westworld to run a simulation to remember and therefore recreate sentient life do i have that correct oh here here's my interpretation of it whether or not that's Dolores Prime it's a Dolores so we can all agree on that you guys are probably right that it's Dolores Prime. I am clinging to the fact that they told us she was gone, but that's fine. They were probably bending bending words. Um, Dolores, whoever she is, Christina, Christina's world, etc., is going to run a simulation or a final game that will determine whether or not the humans are allowed into the sublime. And by allowing humans into the sublime, because Ted simulated Teddy says don't let them in here they're dirty and they're evil and they're awful and they always that it always ends in violence with them with those people don't let them in here all the hosts get to live in heaven do the humans get to go there too um this is the choice that hale is giving this dolores this christina this is the such a more interesting question and phrasing than the way the actual show did it though i think you're probably right the problem is we haven't seen robot heaven since the end of 20 that was in 2018 was the no, last time we, we saw really it saw we, the saw it. we saw it this season that akichita was like you can look however you want it to look yeah but everyone like, has their own really little it's it. like the, saw... it's like it's the good place you have little pockets and you can just make it look however you want it to look yeah there, there's there's and, nothing to really see because it could be anything but uh, and that's why you have to show us what that means it's just a white horse in a weird room with your weird white like spider webs 
No, I think that the, I think showing the literal first scene or, you know, opening train scene from Westworld from season one, episode one gives us a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like. It's going to look exactly yeah, like Chris- season one. Christine is going to make it look like Sweetwater. And so it's going to loop. It's an interesting idea. You're saying, Joe, like, oh, well, basically, humanity can create heaven digitally. And then if you recreate your consciousness perfectly, we can put ourselves in digital heaven and we can live forever. Yeah. Did at any point this episode, this season, anyone actually ever say that about humans? Like they vaguely alluded to transcendence. You're right. But it's like they set this up very poorly. Well, I, I, I think that's the idea. Do are humans allowed? in here um but my question about that is like where is the human i keep coming back to this idea of bernard saving frankie's data and why would he do that if not for the idea that he's trying to get her a place in heaven if indeed humans are going to be allowed in heaven so where is all that human data it used to be in this place called the Forge, all the guests from the park, but Dolores flooded it. Presumably Hale has captured some of it from her temperance world. Which yeah. ha- which which humans are this? Are they just the humans that could afford to go to Westworld and their data has been saved? Like, or is she just going to remember all of them, all of the people that we well, saw in the cities and recreate Prime. them? If this was Dolores Prime, then then mm-hmm. again, just a huge leap, but she could have downloaded everything that was in Rehoboam. Right? I mean, she could know everything yeah. that Rehoboam previously knew, and so that's most of humanity, except for the outliers, which are a pretty important part of the, you know, equation. But, um, but yeah, it's, I, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting mission here. T- Teddy, Teddy, who is, who is also Dolores, let's be clear. Um, says, well, Teddy is an, is, an, is imagined by Dolores. He's not like another robot with a Dolores Pearl. But you're right. This is another Heifetz mm-hmm. distinction. So it's let's go. her talking to herself in the mirror, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, I've watched people in their world for years. I've seen the best and the worst of them, and I remember it all. And then he says, they're not like us. Their codes are written in their cells. They'll never change. And she says, we could still see, right? So it's this, here's the theory. Can humans change? Will Dolores be able to see the beauty in this world and allow humans entry to heaven? Dolores is this God figure or is it heavenly hosts only robots only in heaven? They're the only ones who deserve it. So that I feel like is going to be the final game in the final season is a simulation. Do humans deserve (laughs) to be in heaven? So that's what I okay, think it is. Yes. And, and I and you're right. That, that's sort of an interesting like like uh inverse of where the show started, right? The like robots deserve to be considered. To alive. And, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And 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 that puts Dolores in the four like we've been watching Hale sort of in this Ford role, but to put Dolores Prime, if you prefer, Evan Rachel Wood, let's just say, in the Ford role. Teddy Teddy who's not Teddy says, let the humans go. Don't bring the flaws of their kind into our world. And she's like, let's see, let's see if they get to come. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, um, but I, but, but I think, I mean, the way that I imagine it playing out, whether or not, so everything so far has been a simulation is that it will be exactly like what we've seen before with minor changes. Like when Bernard would, you know, say conversations went a little bit differently in his different simulations or whatever, and things played out in different ways. But j- this is a minor quibble, but just as a point of explanation, 
Dolores isn't in the Ford role. Ford will be in the Ford role. Dolores will create Ford to be in the Ford role and will sort of like shunt that part of her consciousness off to him. Anthony Hopkins uh, is it, not coming yeah. back to the show. I was going to say, if Sir Anthony Hopkins wants to come back for a whole season, maybe. But No, in, uh, a, in a perfect world, like the Sublime, yes. that's what would happen. Yes. <laughs> yes. In a perfect world, Sir Anthony Hopkins is back for the final season. Um, To go back to this idea of like... uh human consciousness and how it can live on do we think they're going to so we hit again this idea that um fidelity the old delos experiment is as Stubbs calls it in this episode um that they've never perfected it uh caleb is degrading he's gonna not make it much longer past frankie pulling out of the harbor right um do we feel like that is any kind of end game that they're working towards this idea of perfecting fidelity somehow in next season, or would you prefer that they just let that go? That this is the I, end I, of the old Dell's experiment. I, I feel like they don't know the answers to any of these questions. And so there's a limit on what I am willing to kind of play out the thread on like, what about this? And what about that? The reality is in this episode, they literally had a moment where, Frankie was pointing a gun at Clementine and then put her gun down because she said I'm out of bullets and then comes back later and says, actually, I still have a bullet and shoots. Cle and that's how Clementine dies. And so I kind of just really lose faith in the idea. Oh, where's fidelity going? It's like I, none of this really makes sense anymore. If you break it down. I agree that I mean, I think it's feasible that they don't know the answer. But I do think that's one of the interesting things about this episode. If there is another season and if this and if it does have a storyline on Earth, on Earth One or whatever. <laughs> I think it's totally feasible that Caleb continues on as the the first host to achieve fidelity, the first host human hybrid to achieve fidelity. I think that do, they 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 didn't really go in all. They didn't go in on it, although they didn't. They don't go in on a lot of the things that that, that maybe they should. But they there didn't were, explain there, why. Like you know, what would have been cool at the end to to like hear. How did he make it so far? Even if you want to tell us it's love or something, it, like they, they're not exploring these questions. We on this podcast are delving deeper into these questions than they did. And maybe that's the value of the show. You're right. The answer is love. And I mean, or, or whatever, human commitment, human, human connection. Uh, and they, they don't say it outright. And frankly, how we lasted this long, I could have I, I, I could have had I, I would have rather him last much longer. Right. Or, or, or to experience the degradation, whatever, like I, like. I, I kept thinking time, time and time again, watching this episode, watching this most recent episode, that the season just should have, should have started here, right? Or should have started like much closer to here. Like let the end of the world that was being fainted at at the end of last season just be this end of the world. And then like have everything that happened in the past two episodes actually be an interesting eight-ish, eight-episode arc, right? But if if Caleb had been, especially for a show that likes to play with present and past so much, if Caleb had been revealed to have been a host the whole time in episode four, and then we and we're watching him degrade before our eyes, like that makes his marathon of so much more interesting. As it stands now, he was on the screen for about fourteen minutes after you know he escaped, and that, that doesn't really doesn't seem like some great accomplishment, even though we're supposed to believe that it is. Um, I want to talk about. Here's what I'll say about fidelity. Danny, I take your point that the, the Frankie Gunn Clementine thing was deeply annoying and stupid. I agree with you. Um, 
the fidelity thing, I'm just going to say that I'm still holding on to the that post credits thing we got in season two with William at some point in the future and the actress Katya Herbers, who plays his daughter, showing up and saying, we're testing you for fidelity. Been here a long time. I, I feel like that's the end of the show. <laughs> I honestly feel like that's like where this is all going. I don't think that's already happened. I think perfecting Fidelity and bringing about that season two post credits and getting Katya Herbers to come away from the show Evil for a second to come back and like play William's daughter for a little bit. I I feel like they have to loop back to that or else it will forever torture me. So well, I'm just going to hope that it comes back. You know. But here's the thing. I think that w- with a show it's really important to establish in the beginning that you have a clear idea of like, you know what you're doing, you know where you're going, you know what you want to say. And I guess like, you know what show's really good at that? Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And Joe, you're doing Better Call Saul and this show at the same time. A show like that, Better Call Saul, Breaking Bad, the details, the attention to detail, knowing where you're going, that's a show that deserves the benefit of the doubt. I'm curious on a scale of one to 10, where you would put your trust in like Better Call Saul. (laughs) To know where they're going versus this show, because I can't I in no longer divorce. Oh, well, what about this? Where are they going? I don't think they know. And I'm curious what you, how you would compare those two. No, I would definitely give Saul. Saul is a 10, like 10 out of 10. I trust those writers with my life. Uh, they're very thoughtful. I don't think that the Westworld writers are unthoughtful. I just think that they are they're far messier. And I would give them a six. Um, right. And I think I've been Dude, I, I would 100 percent believe if you told me that this is exactly where they wanted to be at the end of episode four. That This was all this was written in ink when the show started. That, really? That, that, and, and listen, if you want to equivocate, equivocate about, well, this season could have could have used a couple more episodes and maybe that would have solved a lot of the problems. Maybe that's true, you know, uh, but I, I think that the larger question is legitimate, which is. The same thing I've been saying since we started podcasting about it, this unreliability of the showrunner. It's sort of like, I don't know. I don't know what the question to ask is. I don't I don't know. Did what you the, like I, the show? I don't know. Like no, 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 no. Do, but do I trust the show? I don't trust that. There's the fidelity test is just is a big failure here. There's not there, there's not. <laughs> I don't I don't try. I wouldn't it, listen. I, if, Dolores, I, if Dolores came out and she said the moral of the story is true love abides i wouldn't believe that i wouldn't know if that was the point they were saying at all the voiceover <laughs> doesn't mean anything to me just like i'm i struggle I, to understand to, to to grasp what to what i should be me- finding meaningful meaningful at all they if didn't I ask guess. a question there was no ambition that's what i'm saying there was no ambition season one uh, they copied season one no right? the ambition was the ambition was so over the top on some level that you that we're taking it for granted now in season four i think i think yeah I, I, if you told me that 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 the Westworld creatives, Lisa Joy, Jonathan Nolan, the other writers on the staff, they had sketched out a five season plan, which is what James Marsden said in an interview way back in season one. They've got a five season plan. And I believe that the loose sketch of that is expand out, contract back in all the way back to Sweetwater. Let's go out to the real world. Let's do this. Let's end the world and then head on back somehow to the parks of Sweetwater. I absolutely see that as the arc of the series for them. All the other ideas that they have put into the stew here, I don't think they have those all sketched out. That's okay because 
you know, to cite Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, they don't sketch all of those ideas out in advance. They are just better at writing themselves out of logic corners than the Westworld writers are. So um, let me let me get us back on the question track, if you guys don't mind. Um, The. If. My understanding of this episode is right. And if the final game is Dolores or Christina determining whether or not humans deserve either being in heaven or some sort of immortality or another chance of whatever it is. We got this really interesting email from listener Catherine about how, who are the hosts to judge what humans are when they see the worst of humanity, when they see only the rich, largely the rich assholes who are there to live out their purge fantasies in a park. We've seen like a family and like a child in season one, like get excited about a horse. Like some families come to Westworld. Yes. But mostly it's extremely rich assholes who can afford to be there who live out, you know, their sex and violence fantasies. So is that <laughs> a fair metric? And the inherent, the inherent contradiction of the fact that like these hosts are diabolical too when they're, but so, but I mean, when they're in Westworld, a lot of them were, but so what stripped of their programming, they're able to be, you know, model citizens in the sublime. Okay. But like that's giving a lot of credit to hosts, uh, and none to humans. Right. So yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I listen, I think that the answer lies somewhere in the fact that, that Dolores has been out in the world and she's seen humans more than just in, in, in the Sweetwater. Park. Yeah. Um, but, it's a it's a valid question. I don't think that it's nece- it necessarily needs to be fair, though. I mean, I, that would not be one of my most central like hangups about the show. I don't think that, I, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't think. I, I mean, we we just have a different species playing God now. Like it's okay. It, it's a it's 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 okay. No, for- and God and, and God isn't fair. But I just think that it's interesting that Dolores. This listener pointed out that like the four main humans that Dolores has interacted with are Ford, Arnold. William and Caleb, right? And that three of those guys are like, you know, either rich creatives or, you know, a rich attendee of the park. And then there's Caleb, who she met because he was like a soldier and then thus able to go into the park on like, you know, a recon mission or whatever. Um, What I think, what I do think is interesting off the back of that is that Maeve has had much more interactions with you know, like her relationship with Felix and Sylvester or Elise Sizemore, who are wildly imperfect humans, but not just like park attendees. I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. Danny, do you have any thoughts or feelings about this? I think that's another example where the actual like people coming up watching the show are asking more interesting questions than the show. I don't think but the why show really not? Gets into that. I think well, why not well, ask those interesting The show questions? is not exploring this. I think that to the question itself. I think that's how the world works. Like when if you're like a barista at Starbucks, do you really give a shit about the 80 percent of customers who come in and like pay and get their coffee and leave? No, you only remember the 5 percent or the 10 percent of people who are assholes to you. It's the same reason you go on like like you look at reviews for things. It's either people loved it or hated it. Like the 80 percent of people in the middle don't leave any lasting impressions. So like, it's yeah, true. It totally makes and, sense. And, and, the, and the and the larger question, I guess, is does it matter to the end result? I mean, listen, if Dolores, given an incredibly narrow uh, scope of humanity that she's digested or whatever, setting aside the Rehoboam idea or whatever else. 
if she goes into the sublime and cre- and recreates planet Earth, would it look that much different than the one we just saw? This and is what of- I'm wondering for season five. It's like, like it doesn't make any sense. If anything, it's like how how they're re- capturing all this data. Like, how are they capturing humanity and from what? Because if they wanted to do it through Rehoboam, well, they probably should have mentioned Rehoboam more than one time in season four. And if they're just pulling it for, somehow from the depths, it's like, okay, cool. Well, so she also has access. Got their... She was also writing the storylines for all of, well, her, 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 her breadth was a little bit uncertain. But she was writing. I mean, she was she was writing for every human for the past however many years in this season. She, so, yeah, notably, none says, of those people were happy. She says <laughs> in dead. her voice, in her voiceover, she says their kind will go extinct, as Danny pointed out. They will only live as long as the last creature who remembers them. And that creature is me. So I think it's going to come down to she remembers everything uh, to quote. Pacey but I think that's Dawson's a crazy Creek. end game for them when they haven't really explored what you lose when you're just brought back via memory. Right. Okay. Let me ask you a twist question because Westworld is nothing if not twist obsessed, right? So what's the definition of a good slash satisfying twist or reveal to you? I'll bring this up because (laughs) because what I will say is that like as soon as we find out that like Maya and Peter and Christina's boss or whatever, just like people she created, fine. And then they weirdly dragged out the reveal that Teddy is also someone she created when it's like very obvious. Okay. All right. She made up Oscar winner Ariana DeBose. Then she definitely made up James Marsden as well. That's fine. Um, Well, especially when especially when the alternative is much more interesting. Right. Like if you left it when you leave Teddy, then you're like, oh, so we're still on this. Someone has sent Teddy to to break through to her tip. And it turns out, no, it was the same thing as whatever happened last episode. You know what I thought was a really good twist? What was a really good twist was when Frankie was like, I don't have any bullets left. And she was like, ah, I do have a bullet (laughs) left. Like, I didn't see that. coming. She learned that from her dad. Anyway, so to the question. (laughs) Well, here's what I'll say. I when thinking about Westworld's twist addiction, right, because like. The reason I get into the theory game is because it's really fun to hear what Danny has cooked up every week, first of all. But secondly, it's how I try to understand a show. If I'm theorizing, it's because I'm trying to understand how showrunners think, how the world works, all that sort of stuff. And like coming up with theories that align with what the show is. Westworld is very unpredictable in that way. And I'm often wrong. If, if it were just about me being right, I wouldn't do it because I'm so often wrong. But I feel like a twist should at its best have like some sort of emotional reveal or heft to it. And I feel like season one's reveal, the two timeline reveal and what Dolores, that Dolores was setting herself on this path. And also our discovery that William had gone from Jimmy Simpson to Ed Harris in a way that is actually very upsetting and traumatic. Like all of that is interesting and meaty and rich and why we like season one so much and i think some of the twists in the nolan films like i I won't necessarily outline them all but like the end of interstellar makes me very emotional or the end of the prestige like really gets to me like a twist should not just be ah you were uh, you were looking at this hand it was actually in this hand the whole time it shouldn't just be about outsmarting or confusing or bamboozling the audience there should be something emotionally satisfying or narratively rich to it. I'm not, I do not think I got that from this season and I'm wondering how you guys feel about it. Yeah, it's like a, t- a good twist is exactly like it's I, I, to maybe to boil it down. It's like 
it's actually the story you've been watching is not the story you thought it was. It's actually a different kind of story. And in a way that emotionally resonates. When you talk about season one, you might watch that thinking, oh, William and uh, the man in black are going to have a showdown. And then the twist is like, oh, they're the same person, but that hits at an emotional level because, oh, there has been a showdown and the man in black killed William a long time ago. Like the man in black won. Yeah. He, it, it's really a story of one man aging, not two people fighting. Again, like the Western, right? Like it's actually not this town ain't big enough for the two of us between William and man in black. It's actually going to be actually the story of a guy getting older and jaded over like that's there's an emotional resonance. I, there was I, I didn't really get any of that in this season. Like these twists were just kind of exactly what you said, Joe, like, oh, thought it was left. But hey, it's in the right. That's why I thought that having Caleb's having the twist be Caleb has been a robot the whole time would have actually been a meaningful twist because it would have been it would have affected the way that he's actually interacting with his long lost daughter. Right. I mean, if that if that if, if they were able to pull that off, I mean, who knows if that would have even been feasible. But I mean, yeah. What, so what was the I mean, there were a lot of surprises in this episode. I don't think like, you know, use your left hand counts as a twist that Bernard, you know, had the foresight to put a gun in a killing Behind machine. A hand. Yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, th the biggest twist in this episode was that Hale had a change of heart, which is just sort of like a twist that's sort of like completely without stakes. It was dumb. It didn't make any sense. Like she literally was like, I won't let you burn it down. Like, why? We, why did she change her mind other than to, to appease the plot and what they already had to do? You know what would have been really awesome? I hate that I'm fantasy booking this whole thing, but you know what? <laughs> you know, you know, what would have been really awesome hmm. if Hale throughout the season instead of just having the man the host in black at her side actually like had some of the other said some of the cast that we love hanging around with her like maybe she had appropriated Stubbs or she had appropriated Maeve or something and that led to her change of heart over some span of time you know I mean, but, but at the end of the day all the characters that we really have a soft spot for were hanging out together and then they all died meaninglessly in episode 7 that would have been a much that would have much better use of Clementine, by the way. Like then, yeah, or have Clementine instead of which Clement, yeah. Clementine is like, is like, like fan service, fan service. It's like it's like sec, it's like second degree. It's like fa it's fan service that's like so self aware that it's not even fulfilling. I mean, I will say I do always enjoy watching her fight. She's very graceful. No, it's and beautiful, great. and I love it. I just wish, and I did actually get upset when Stubbs died, even though. I shouldn't have because he'll just be back next season if he wants to be. OK, but that was also ridiculous. Like I, to me, that's just more evidence that they don't know what they're doing, because the fact that you bring Stubbs through all of this. And again, let's be real. I believe Jonathan Nolan made the decision that Stubbs would be a host the night before they shot. Like, see, the end oh, of I, season I, two. I know he did. I know he did for a fact. So, like, we don't have to pretend this is some Anthony Hopkins Ford grand plan all the time. They killed right. Stubbs. And like, why? So he could try. He was trying to convince a brain. A, my, a brainwashed assassin not to be brainwashed that was kind of stupid and like when you do that and then the same scene clementine again gets shot because frankie had a bullet in fact it's like I, I, like again the i don't i have no faith that they have a coherent vision of how they wanted to tell this story let me read two quick emails from our listeners maya wrote in and said uh, we spent so much time. This, so these are two examples. This is Maya for Maya is the the Danny Hyphen school of thought, which is like, did any of this matter? What the fuck, right? And then Sky is maybe like 
more my school of thought, which is digging for meaning where maybe there is none, right? So Maya says, we spent so much time trying to figure out the Peter mystery, and I still don't understand the whole thing with the hospital, but regardless, doesn't even matter. No. Say, probably in the end, it doesn't matter. The answer is Christina made everything up, right? Um, But Sky wrote in about the transcendence thing, which also feels like a dropped plot, a plot that doesn't really matter. Hale has this abstract idea for transcendence, which is that the hosts need to leave behind all human tendencies and become walking armless, whatever, or something like that. And Sky's... Well, is there more to the question? I'm sorry. No, no. Sky, Sky wrote, the generous message of the season is that Hale's fundamental requirement of subjugated humans was anathema to her goal, her other goal of consciousness. And I love that idea. And I don't know that the show sold it to me, but I love that thought that like. From just a point of order, I love that too. From, it's from a practical point of view. So she was, she had developed this idea for transcendence. And Bernard's mm. master plan, in order to save a tiny bit of existence by, by allowing Dolores to recreate it, that was the end game, right? So that was Bernard's plan. But so, so. The plan necessitated Maeve, the weapon, distracting Hale so that she couldn't put her transcendence plan into effect because they needed Hale for the final act to beat the man in black. Is that correct? No, no, no. She tried to kill Hale so that she could immediately be resurrected. Like, that's also part of this, which is insane. Wait, what? Oh, no, sorry. She, She tried to kill Hale and failed. Hale got shot yes. and then immediately was resurrected. So you could zoom out and say, Maeve needed to kill Hale, who actually was really important and needed to be alive. No, but he knew he knew she was going to come back. Oh, here's here. Okay, here's me digging for meaning where maybe there isn't. Please, any. please. This is what this is my favorite stuff is the digging for meaning. But like, I feel like maybe her her being sh- killed by William, her own creation was key somehow to her face turn, right? That that death did matter. That Bernard knew she was coming back. Obviously, he left a message for her. So I think he knew that she was going to die and knew she was going to come back. And he knew so much that he left a gun behind a pipe in the exact place that she needed. That's how much Bernard knows. He knows exactly where a bug is going to be in the desert. He knows everything. Do you think that turning, what did she say? That she she told the, the drone host to like, you know, turn all her attributes to 11 or whatever? said make me stronger i don't know if this was the idea if it was they should have said it but maybe that maybe there's some potential there where like maybe turning up turning the knob on everything all the way up allows her to also be more like receptive to compassion or to like have that have the a brain that's big enough to understand that there's something bigger at stake oh my god come on what world do we live in D- david have you been wi flight it may <laughs> make me stronger and david's like she had more empathy I, I just, again, it's like I just wish when I wrote a bad story about football that people would read. Well, obviously, he meant to include the good teams in the Super Bowl champion contenders, and he just forgot. Like, I just wish people were this generous. The pro, like you judge your t- like in, in football, you are what your record says you are. Eventually, it's like you have all these plans and you all this stuff. What happened in this show? William took a horse from New York to Nevada. What the fuck no, are we talking about No, he took here? a Jeep. He was in a Jeep. He was in a car. That was a deciduous... And, and, no. That, and that then was he a got deciduous in a horse. forest that was in the Northeast and won 
those hosts <laughs> that caught up to him were all hosts from the park who were presumably yeah. having fun in Manhattan. That was out. That was in. The, uh, I I am from suburban New York. That was New York. He drove from Manhattan to Nevada on a horse, and he got there before Hale, who was in a plane. Did we establish, in, for the purposes of the show, that that was actually the Hoover Dam and not just some random other dam that they are, that they put up in like uh, <laughs> it's Central when New we were like, Mississippi? This, this is like when we were like, maybe they built Manhattan and Nevada. Um, well, this is what I keep coming back to. It's like I, I can't like like I agree with you, Joe. Okay, I love the theorizing. It's just this is yeah. crazy. Danny, what if I told you that you actually have been writing terrible pieces for your entire time at the Ringer, and people <laughs> are giving you the benefit of the doubt? Does that change your perception of the show? See, that's a good plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> here's 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 my philosophy, Danny. I hear you in your checked outedness. Like it's not like the, sh- the you, like it's unearned. It's not like the show hasn't earned this reaction from you. But my my thought is that if we're gonna have a podcast discussion about it, like to to just say it's ridiculous, which it is in many different ways is for me not as interesting as like it's ridiculous but now now let's talk about Danny's uh biblical theory which is exactly what I want to do next. Danny, do you want to talk about your biblical theory? Will you indulge me? I think so I again I well I this is where I we have kind of talked about it going all season, right? Is that the fifth season mm-hmm. would kind of be um you know, it's it's like the first five books of the Bible and that uh, this is all just kind of like them wandering the desert and basically who's going to get into uh, the kingdom of heaven, essentially, or is the promised land, so to speak, Israel. And that's what you're saying, right? The host, the humans, it, you know, what tribe gets to do this, right? And I think that, mm-hmm. again, I do think that the show is going to loop. I think at this point, it seems obvious that the show is going to loop and that the first scene of the first season is going to, you know, probably in my mind be like the last scene of the last season or something. But yeah, I mean, overall, I still think we're totally on track for that. I think that, you know, it's just they got really tripped up in a couple of the more boring books in the Bible. Um, My favorite part is at the end of Deuteronomy where Moses just decides to start the whole fucker over again. <laughs> He's like, fuck it. They they loved season one. Let's just do or it God. Again. Is it God? God would probably make more sense. But was Dolores God? I guess Dolores was God the whole time. I think she is. I mean, she has to okay. be God. Here's a, here's an email we got from listener Manny that I really loved. Okay, so Manny wrote, among other things, really long, brilliant email, going with the biblical theme that Danny has been running with, which I love. I wonder if Christina's final game is something of a judgment day. Bring, being brought up in a Christian household, I know a bit about the Bible, and I wonder if Dolores slash Christina, in a sense, is something of a Godhead figure. Dying as Dolores, Jesus, moving in the white space of Hale's world as Christina, the Holy Spirit, and then with her final game, coming back as Christ, however she decides to come back. Hale or Bernard most likely being God and giving Christina this chance to, uh, to change things once and for all. Even maybe taking things a step further, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, which are God in other forms, are not able to do anything without God's power. So this idea that the many Dolori are like, you know, the Holy Trinity, essentially. If we've been in a simulation this whole time, this is already what we've experienced. <laughs> but it, but if not, what we will have next season is yes, it's not it's a it's it's the Trinity is it's three and one, right? It's not they're not they're not distinct. Well, they're mm-hmm. they're not they're not separate. Uh, things time-wise that Dolores is simultaneously God in the sense that she created everything and Christ in the sense that she's subjugated herself to the horrors of Westworld for this mission and then the Holy Ghost in the sense that she's 
presumably playing the same role in this new world that she played in on Earth in season five. It feels like this season, to describe who Evan Rachel Wood is playing in this season, you could say she's the ghost in the machine, right? <clears throat> and I think in the final season, she's the the god, the literal deus ex machina, the god machine, right? Like that's that's who she is, or she's St. Peter at the gates deciding who gets to come in. Our listener Tyler wrote in, Dolores is the god and recreates humanity, culminating with her recreating Arnold and Arnold recreating Westworld, looping back to season one, episode one, and starting everything over. Chicken or the egg, time eternally slowing down as you're going into sublimes at infinite Hoover Dam. So no worries about who's keeping this thing going question. It's all a loop. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Danny's idea of the of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, as they call it. Um, I think that horse that Ed Harris is riding is really important for that, for the pale horse, pale rider sort of biblical shit. Or when he says we're fruit from a rotten tree, might as well burn it all down. That all like fruit of knowledge stuff. I think it's here. I love that Danny floated this. It was like one of my favorite things that came out of this podcast this season. So yeah. I mean, I guess if Dolores creates all this from scratch, is the mission that is the hope that like William will just never turn bad? Like in a, in a, in a successful run, this is obviously very hypothetical. Does oh, William... is there a version of this where Jimmy Simpson doesn't break bad? And if he doesn't break bad, if that is the goal, or if the goal is something along those lines, like it did, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have necessitated waiting until the last minute for humanity to prove itself, right? I mean, humanity could have proved could, could have theoretically proved itself fifty years ago or a hundred whatever in this in this simulation, and it would have. They, she, they'd be mm. accepted into the sublime. I guess I'm just wondering if, like, if that's possible, then literally everything we've seen doesn't matter, right? It's all, it's been, it's all been downhill from there. But anyway, that's interesting. Ironically, you needed him to break bad to to take all the data to make all this possible. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You're right. That's a little bit like the ending of this show. It's a very convoluted path, but it's. I don't know. I think there's a there's a really deeper philosophical thing where it's like if this is one pocket of the sublime, right? Then there's a version of this simulation where there's just one tiny pocket within the pocket that is just another simulation. I mean, that would be that's the idea of the show if it's an endless <laughs> loop. Well, you love the simulation thing, but we talked earlier about the problem with the simulation that I don't see how they fix is we talked earlier about what's the point of a twist. Who cares if it's all a simulation? They they need something more substantive than it's a, like it has to be a simulation and it means what? Like, like a simulation. I think the the only way that I think the simulation would bear any fruit to me is if like they do the simulation at the end. All right, we simulated the one outcome where hosts and humans can get along, and now we got to go do it in real life. I'm sure there's a, many options other than that that would make sense, but I can't think of them right now. But overall, if what shows like, hey, it was a simulation, and like that's not quite enough, is it? No. No. There has to be something else. And if it's if it's William breaking good, then well, Ed Harris won't be happy because he likes being bad. But that's that that might be where we go. Um last question. This came from a great email from our listener, Catherine. How much of all of this is connected to Lisa Joy and Jonah's preoccupation with climate change? Uh if you look at Interstellar, which is about humans trying to get off a, a planet, find a new place for the humans to live. Uh, if you watch Reminiscence, which I did, which was Lisa Joy's uh, film that she made with Hugh Jackman, not great. However, the depiction of climate change was really interesting. Like, 
the world's half flooded and civilization is just plodding along with just like water in the streets and stuff like that. The vision of, of uh, like post-climate change apocalypse <laughs> What's with her Miami? vision of climate change and there's too much water? She's got water in Nevada in 90 years. She's got like water. <laughs> there's not going to be enough water. That's the problem. Um, I, I, uh, Catherine wrote, humanity is not equal to the, our listener Catherine wrote, humanity is not equal to the task of surviving because of our evil nature. Is that the thesis of this show? I'd say it one more time. Just the last part. Humanity is not equal to the task of surviving because of our evil nature. Okay, so that's totally plausible. And I think that puts a really weird spin on the show. I mean, I don't know specifically about the about climate change philosophies or whatever, but if like whoever if if, if like our you know if we if we elected somebody president because they were like determined then their their top of their platform was was correcting climate change and it turns out that like their deepest darkest thoughts were all this like nihilist post-apocalyptic world like they spent a lot of time modeling out how the world would explode in the future instead of just actually trying to fix things i don't know maybe that's like a nice metaphor for the show is that it just seems to have like be a really it's like a really smart show that is just that is just totally weighted down by its own nihilism can you read that thing again joe you just said the last part Humanity is not equal to the task of surviving because of our evil nature. I I think that's I think that, you know, that kind of trope in a TV show or movies where a good guy or and a bad guy are trying to, like, escape from something. And then, like, the bad guy falls and he's like hanging off the cliff and the good guy is like, oh, I should leave. And the good guy is like, all right, helps him up off the cliff and saves him from falling. I think you know what I mean? I'm not crazy, right? Yeah. Scorpion the frog. Yeah. I think that that's probably the general thesis of the show of the humans are bad and would die slash fall off the cliff. But the hosts are going to be like, Oh, I hate them. Oh, go back from, and then they'll help us from falling. I think that's kind of basically, you're going to create this thing that will hate you and could destroy you, but maybe they're better angels. They will kind of like, you know, you're, hopefully your kids are better than you. Your creation hopefully will be not Mm -hmm. only better than you, but good enough to save your ass from being such an asshole all the time. The hosts are, so like we go with the arc of the series as we go from our creations, our hosts, our children that we've created wanting to destroy us to them, them being the only chance of our survival or salvation. Mm-hmm. All right. We're almost done here. We're going to do a little tiny look ahead because uh, I have some season five hopes and, and feelings. Um the Maze Not Meant For You Dumb Human Award. I guess we should shout out the fact that when Charlotte Hale stomps on the ground and cracks it open to get the Christina or Dolores Prime Pearl out of the floor and, and makes the maze design in the cracks of the floor, um, it is just after basically Bernard tells her the maze is not meant, the game's not your game. It's not your game. You don't get to run it. Uh, does that make Hale the clear front runner for... The maze is not meant for you, or who who wins this category? Well, sure, the you? season long, this maze is not meant for you prize does obviously go to hell for having this like incredibly elaborate plan that did that that was a terrible idea. But she also kind of yeah. got to be the hero in the end. So I don't know if that's a really that's a really just prize, right? If we're if we're sticking yeah. with like the spirit, which is the dumbest person award, I have a lot. I'm gonna go with Frankie for having yeah. a bullet 
And I don't know what's crazier <laughs> if she like had the bullet and forgot or if she had to reload and they just chose not to show that. I don't know what uh, Bernard. I actually think Bernard's a real front runner here because he's like, <laughs> it's impossible. How about just instead of telling Hale what he told her, stand like eight inches back and shoot him in the face. That seems like a better solution than what he gave her. Uh, but I'm going to give the dumbest human award to me. No, the show sucked me in. I'm the dumbest. It person. really did. I, I think the dumbest person on the show. Oh, God, I'm tempted to say Clementine for what I said before. Like, why be a monster when these people have already accepted hosts into their into their click? It just seemed, they, it... They all seemed very bizarre. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Bernard said, okay. he was, Bernard said he was running off an algorithm. I mean, running off all these. Uh, like he didn't have a choice. Probabilities. Found, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. So he's running off probabilities. So it's so it's, you know, you feel like he doesn't he can't get the award. Right. It wasn't his fault, but it still is his fault, man. I mean, it's still like he is still the dumbest character. Not he's a dumb like that. This figure is has a low IQ. But as far as the story goes, like how was the only simulation a one that one that was like this rickety? It just it seems I still it still doesn't make any sense. Also, he could have just told her, bring an extra clip of ammo, ammo, ammo with you. Seems easier. Don't bring just one. No, gun. reach, reach, reach with your left hand. Which someone emailed us and said she reached with her right hand. I didn't, I didn't rewatch that scene close enough to let you know if, if she did in fact reach with the right hand. Anyway, um, no shit. <laughs> I, I think um, it must have been her left. I'm sure it must have been. It must have been. Okay, I'm gonna give my dumbest person award here and lead us into sort of my final prompt, which is I actually got really excited when Stephen Ogg, who plays the host Rebus with the fantastic mustache, showed up right at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And then my absolute favorite, Jonathan Tucker, who played Craddock, showed up he was midway great. through. And Jonathan Tucker shows up and he says, you know what happened to Icarus? He flew too close to the sun. Well, you got too close to to her, meaning Hale. Now it's your time to fall. Look alive. This pugnacious son of a bitch never liked to go down without a fight and then immediately gets just annihilated by William. Like, says, look alive. This pugnacious son of a bitch never went down. And then just, like, walks right into William's gun, essentially. And I was like, what are you talking about, Craddock? Anyway, so my question for you is, if we're going to reboot season one in Sweetwater and Sublime, shot in glorious letterbox format, perhaps, for the final season, um, who are the top three actors that you would love to see brought back that would most boost your enjoyment? And I'm not talking about people who died in the last couple episodes. I'm talking about like old characters on Westworld because the sky's the limit, right? I'd rather have the Anthony limited... Hopkins than everyone else combined. Okay, so one Anthony Hopkins just we're doing like the in, fantasy draft. The well, this is Danny's yeah. got an unfair advantage here. Um. Uh, I mean, let me just, I just, I'm sorry. Let me just sidebar to say like, that's actually one of my like deeper disappointments about this season is that it really was just like a murderer's row in the cast and everybody had the potential to sort of be rewritten into the best version of themselves or the most exciting character for them to play. And I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought Tessa, I, Tom I thought Tessa Thompson was like, was, was, got to be like winning awards halfway through the season and by the end i was just sort of like like so nonplussed the, the mavark this season is the most confusing waste of that's a, what I, 
like Maeve plus anybody should be like a net positive, right? I mean, yeah. and just a whole Maeve Caleb buddy com- comedy throughout the season would have been great. And I just don't remember anything. I mean, I thought the, her scenes with Aaron Paul were really good, Tandu and Newton, but like this is the second season in a row where it feels like Maeve has been a bit aimless because they weren't sure what to do with her. When like, if you think about the highs of like season two, Maeve going into like Shogun world because she had a clear purpose, which was to find her daughter. We already talked last week about how they blew that. Anyway, that being said, David Shoemaker, Danny has picked one Anthony Hopkins. You have up to three. Who who are you picking to come back for season five? Um, I'd probably take Jeffrey Wright because I deep. I just still think he's 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 my rock. He's my linchpin, and of everybody, I would probably take um. What's his name? Who played Young William? Jimmy Simpson. I would probably pick Jimmy Simpson because as much as I prefer old William to young William in terms of everything, everywhere the show's been so far, that's at least some like fresh territory to explore or re-explore than where we've been. If they want to kick us in the teeth with season one nostalgia, which is what I feel. Here's what I think. I feel like season five has the potential to just be like a steaming dish of member berry cobbler. Like that's what they're going to hit us with. It's just sort of like, Remember that you like season one. We're going to do this to you. And so I'm going to take a page out of Danny's book and ask for the messy humans to come back. And so I, my top three messy humans are number one, Logan Delos, Ben Barnes, my beautiful boy, come back. Number two, Lee Sizemore, bring him back. I love him so much. And number three, I, it's hard to separate them, but bring back Felix and or Sylvester. One of them probably. Both. You can put them together. But, you know, yeah. Logan, so I'll love I know, I know, I know that Logan and Dolores shared the screen. But like by the show's own internal logic, it, Logan is like the only character that we have that is actually not copied anywhere. Right. Like he was there. I, I believe, according to the show's internal logic, his 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 profile like pre-existed Westworld copying data. But I could be wrong about that. Anyway, he exists on as the forge or whatever the hell he was doing at yeah. that point in time. To be clear, just so we don't get point of order emails, we know that the forge has been flooded. I'm just going to say yada, yada, yada. They'll figure out a way that Dolores yeah, remembers yeah, yeah. everybody. So whatever. Uh, so yeah, messy humans, bring them back. Shannon Woodward, bring her back. Like you know? I think that the, like, the best possible iteration of, of season five would be to go really small, have it all exist in Westworld mm-hmm. and go with, and this is not just because it was my idea, but really if the answer is like the Jimmy Simpson cannot turn, cannot break, it doesn't break bad. Like imagine how like concise and satisfying the show could be if you spent eight episodes just sort of going through six months in Westworld. Save, save the cheerleader, save the world. The other possibility for that is if they're not trying to like, trot around the globe and capture all these stunning futuristic architecture in order to give us this a sense of a future society if they're just out, out on good old melody ranch uh filming the sweetwater town front and some like monument valley b-roll or whatever that seems like they could spend that money back on the cast you know what i mean possibly um danny where's your where's your optimism level for the fifth and final season of Westworld, either A, if we're going to get one, or B, if you will be tuning in to watch it. I'm not some 
prognosticator on like whether TV shows get renewed. That I, that's my mm-hmm. question for you, honestly. First is like when a show like this ends the season four with literally every character could be dead except uh-huh. for Dolores. Silly question, but does that not? My, my first thought when I kind of realized how many people died was. Do you think that they're a little nervous with some of these actors not wanting to come back? 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. They've hedged their... The only person they have to bring back is Evan Rachel Wood. And they could leave anyone else out if they wanted to. Um, So if the, con, if the actor contracts are up for renewal and someone asks for too much money, then they might be like, well, maybe dead is dead. We finally decided it's permanent. Yeah. Uh, this is where we draw the line. So absolutely, that's a reason to clear the decks for sure. And usually there is a salary bump after the fourth season of something. That's a, a usual place for it. Um, So I, I would guess it was budgetary. And I mean, again, it's really hard for me to predict what's happening at HBO right now because David Zaslav of, of Discovery is coming in and clearing house left and right. So if you had asked me like a month ago, I would have said, yeah, they'll, they'll let they'll let Westworld wrap up. It was a big marquee thing for them. They'll let them do their final season. Now I'm not sure. The stakes are different than they were uh, a month yeah, ago. Things are changing um, very quickly. And and yeah, and I think if, if it if it turns out that we don't get a fifth season, we can all just watch season one again and pretend it's season five. But also, I think we can all acknowledge that we have Danny Heifetz's bad attitude to blame for the lack of renewal. <laughs> I actually, um, I am David Zasloff. I'm just in the Danny Heifetz. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were Danny Zasloff, the like Logan Delos, like heir. yeah, exactly. Uncle Uncle David is gonna have some real, <laughs> gonna hear, gonna get a real talking to about this show. Well, uh, let's not tell David Zasloff that um, I just looked up the thing and she did indeed shoot him with his, her right hand. Oh my god! She grabbed the gun with her left and then, but okay. she shoots with her right. Oh well, that's different. But did, didn't he say? But didn't he say re- it, reach with your left? Didn't he say? He did say reach with your left. But rewatching the scene, she reaches. It's like a quarter of a second, but she's shooting with her right, which doesn't make a okay, ton of sense. I don't she, know why she's changing hands. It's a little odd. But she reached with her left, and that's that's the point. Um, and so that on that point alone, let's renew Westworld. Let's do this. Let's just wrap it all up. Let's do it one more time. Uh, David Schumacher, anything you want to say before we go? Um, here's what, here's my final question for you. Let's say that they had just like left everybody alive and like left the host alive, but Dolores still was like, everybody's dead or they're all going to die, including the hosts. Cause there's gotta be some hosts stand la- left standing out there. Right. So Dolores is just like naively says, this is a done deal. I'm going to, I'm going to recreate the world in the sublime. So, so, so storyline a is Dolores starting over at season one, episode one in the sublime to try to, to try to let humanity prove itself. Uh-huh. And storyline B is like Bernard and Caleb and Stubbs uh, trying to help humans recreate the actual world on the ground. Which show do you want to watch? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think show... I'm excited for like something close to a clean slate. Yeah. And then like as obvious and sort of clunky, the clearing of the decks of all these characters were by killing them, bumping them off in the final two episodes of the series. Um, I'm, 
I admit it. I'll admit it. Ramin Javadi's score kicked in. They slapped that blonde wig on Evan Rachel Wood. We're back in fucking Sweetwater. And I was like, cool, let's do it. Let's just start over. I'm tired of all this other stuff. Let's just start over. That's where I just I love am. post-apocalyptic shows. Here's what, okay, here's my real last point. And I hate to be doing this. I hate to be like trying to second guess everything. But think about how excited we all are. And I'm going to include the perpetually downbeat Danny Heifetz in that, that all. Imagine how excited <laughs> we're all going to be for season five, episode one, when it just, the train pulls into Sweetwater. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it have just been so much better if that's how season four had started? Like it, like we spent a lot, we spent a lot of time, and there were some really good episodes, but we spent a lot of time and energy to get to the destruction of the earth in a pretty empty way when like that could have been half an episode of backstory, explanation, you know, exposition if they had just started season four here. They also didn't need season three. I think an incredible thing is I can't remember the last show I watched where you watch season four and you're like, you didn't need to know anything about you really didn't need to know anything about season three to watch and enjoy 90. I don't even know what your questions would be, because even season two, it's like, oh, Dolores is in Charlotte. And you would have put together on your own that Dolores is more like Charlotte. I don't even know what you needed to know from season three for this show. Yeah, if, they're, if, if they got out of season two and they just spent season three, basically just robots burn down the world so that they can, and Dolores recreates Westworld. That that would have been a really neat circle. I think that um, basically this all boils down to the first opinion that we all three agreed on at the start of this season, which was it was a mistake to leave the parks. That was the coolest part of your show. And they're like, 10-4! We heard you loud and clear. We're going back to Sweetwater, you know? If this show gets canceled, we will never see Dungeons and Dragons World. We will never, we 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 will have like missed out on so many opportunities of just other worlds that we could hang out in. Um, I'm not convinced we're gonna, gonna go to Dungeons and Dragons World in the final season anyway, because it's called uh it's called House of Dragon. It premieres next week, David. <laughs> they they like they pegged that too hard to thrones and now they have to sort of like veer away from it, you know. No, I know I'm just saying they could have stayed in the park and done so much fun stuff. I agree. I'm with you. All right, Danny Heifetz, anything else you want to say before we go? I said it as a joke in the beginning. I really do think it's kind of a graveyard of stories. I just, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I was, I was disappointed. I think that I, I don't know. I mean, I, I love theorizing about the show, but at the end, I'm a little sad. I'm sorry we landed here. I'm so glad you did this show with us because otherwise we would not have had Why Fly or Cher Loris, two of my favorite things that uh, came out of your mouth this season, among other things. I'm so, very uh, happy we did this. I don't know how I would have processed any of this without you two. So even I actually like what Shoemaker said. Even if they cancel the show, we just do season one again, pretend it's a simulation and we just rewatch it with <laughs> the pot of you. And we should theorize and be like, maybe this time William won't turn out to be a murdering sociopath. That would be great. Maybe they could just not <laughs> film it and they just edit season one again. Like, you know, now musicians are like editing their albums. They just edit season one again. They're like, but it's now a simulation. Yeah. All right. I would totally Save watch money. that. You don't even have to film that. Well, stay tuned then for Westworld season five, Taylor's version. We will be here. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Yes. 
we have been David Shoemaker, Danny Heifetz, and Joanna Robinson. Thank you so much for joining us on the Prestige TV podcast feed for this season. I'll be back tomorrow with Better Call Saul. And thank you all so much. Bye. And we'll all be back for Monarch next week. <laughs> Not really. <laughs>